college football show. And welcome to our Pac-12 and Big Ten preview show. We are going to go over the teams that we feel have the most value for this season. Go ahead and uh, and tell you, BetUS, it is where the game begins. To my right, these are our experts, by the way. To my right, we have Kyle Hunter, an award-winning professional handicapper, owner of huntersportspicks.com. To the left, you will see Parker Fleming, who is our analyst, our numerical guru, the guy that owns cfb-graphs.com. You can follow him at Stats of War. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Hunter Picks. And you can follow me, your host, Gary Seegers, at GaryWCE on Twitter. Let's go ahead and dive into the show today. Now, before we kick things off, make sure that you go and sign up at BetUS.com. You will find a link down in the description. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. NCAAF2021. You will claim your 125% deposit bonus exclusive for sports betting up to $2,500. Look, take advantage of it. Click the link down below. Go ahead and knock that thing out. Also, while you're down there, subscribe to the channel. We're going to be going live this season, Wednesdays and Thursdays. We're going to be ready to rock and roll every single week, talking about all the biggest games on the board and the games that we find the most value in. We all want to win here, so we're going to do that every single week. Make sure that you are subscribed, hit that notification bell, and hit the like button. That helps us out quite a bit. We'll start off with the Pac-12. The first team we are going to discuss is the Utah Utes. Kyle Whittingham. I love this man so much. I cannot even begin to, to like explain it. I don't know what to say. He's finally got a reliable quarterback that he can pair with offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig. Now, that's hoping that he remains healthy, etc. They get Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona State at home. We're going to talk about all that. To win the conference, they are plus 550. To win the South Division, they are plus 450. Their regular season win total sits at 8.5. To go over is minus 150. To go under is plus 120. Their schedule, they're projected favorites in 10 games this year. The defense is nasty every year, and I think it should be even more so this season. Uh, the schedule sets up nicely. You know, you see that at BYU, second game of the season, but don't forget, Kyle Whittingham 4-0 and straight up at BYU the last four times out. Uh, we'll start off with you, Parker. Uh, you got any thoughts on this one? Uh, you, you know I love old man football. And, and Kyle Whittingham knows how to coach that. I think this is an absolute sleeper team to win the conference, but I, I really like them over the eight and a half. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that I would play this one. Um, I, I don't disagree in Whittingham's consistency, and I don't disagree that their schedule does break uh, okay, although I will say something like at Oregon State on October 23rd. That's a little bit trickier than it looks um, – Especially, you know, we think about college football and we think about who's playing kind of this more kind of ground game consistent and who's more volatile. Well, Oregon State has a ton of variance on offense, high explosive upside. And so you could find yourself stuck pretty easily there. Um, my, my issue with Utah is their offense was just really, really poor last year. 101st in, in overall EPA, 103rd in rushing, 89th in the pass. They brought in Charlie Brewer from Baylor to try and address that. And I think that their offensive line should be a little bit better. The problem is that Charlie Brewer has not been healthy the last couple of years, and I don't trust a shoulder injury in a quarterback. And so this bet scares me um, just entirely because I don't think we know enough about Charlie Brewer, who at his best may not even be enough to get Utah um, to keep up with some of these these newer, you know, the the USC's and the Oregon's and these in these Pac-12 offenses. So I, I don't love this one um, over or under. I, I don't think I would play it. 
I love the defense here. Number one in Havoc rate last season. Uh, big, big, big. Got 12 players returning with 100-plus snaps played. I, I think the defense is going to be awesome. Kyle, maybe you can help me out here. Do you feel the same way I do with Utah? I like Utah quite a bit. Um, I also like the Pac-12 South, plus 450. Uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good price to win the South. Look, USC is a good team, but uh, I don't trust their coaching staff. You know, USC always slips up in some of these road games that they have no business losing. Arizona State's a good team, certainly, as well. Utah has a great defense. That kind of defense travels well. Whittingham is 99-81 and 81 ATS in his last 180. So this is a guy that you can bet on game to game as well. I think that's something that we should probably talk about as the season goes because Utah is going to be a team I want to bet on as well, and I assume you as well, Gary. So oh, yes. I, I think uh, over eight and a half is a good play. I think uh, to win the conference is worth a shot, especially uh, to win the South and then to win the Pac-12 overall. You know, this is a team that plays slowly. They were 111th in tempo last year. So we're not going to have high-scoring games with them. And this defense, like you said, havoc rate is extremely high. I think Brewer, if he stays healthy, and it is a fair point that, you know, a shoulder injury is a bit unnerving compared to some of the other things. But to me, Utah, a team that is just consistent, consistently very good on defense. Some of these other teams are so inconsistent. I think I know what we're going to get from Utah and Kyle Whittingham. You are 100% right. The running back room is just stocked up. I'm, I'm ready to watch Utah play this year. We will move on from there. Before we do, uh, just a reminder, subscribe to the channel because we are going to be going live every week, making picks on games, et cetera, talking about the, the big storylines of the season as we move along. So subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. The next team, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Good old Herm Edwards still has a job. Uh, they are... There, let's talk about the odds first. To win the conference, plus 400. To win the South is plus 150, which is really short to me. Uh, the over-under here, the total, 8.5. To go over is minus 110. To go under is minus 120. There's a lot of variance with this team this season because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the fallout of the NCAA investigation. Kyle, I know that you like this team. Let me go ahead and get you in here to talk about this because I, I don't I, we can talk football, but I, I'm curious why you believe that they are going to be fine on the field this year. Yeah, I will say that, you know, I always try to say the ones that I like the most and the ones that I'm not as strong about. This is not my favorite play of the ones that we're going to talk about here today. Arizona State, though, to me, a team that has great balance overall. There is no real weakness on this team. I'd be curious to get uh, Parker's thoughts on Jaden Daniels after I'm done here, too. You know, Jaden Daniels was really highly touted. Um, last year, he had a lot of trouble with overthrows. You know, he was missing open receivers. If Jaden Daniels gets better, like he could get, this team is really dangerous. I think Arizona State has an extremely high upside. I think it is fair to say that there is some downside here with Arizona State because of everything that's going on with the program. But, you know, this is a team... They have five running backs that are about as good as anybody else's running backs on any other team. This is a really deep running back class. Uh, I think Antonio Pierce is really a rising star, a defensive coordinator. I like him a lot. Uh, I think Arizona State's defense is, is nasty, very good. Uh, I think Jaden Daniels is the key here. If he takes that next step, uh, this team could win 11 games and it wouldn't surprise me. So I like Arizona State. I will say I don't like those odds to win the conference or to win the South. Like you said, plus 150. Can't take that. If you take anything here, take over eight and a half. The running game, like you just spoke of, 
It's second in the country last year at 20 plus yard carries per game, 3.3 per game there. Uh, Parker, tell me about Jaden Daniels. Tell me about this offense. I, you know, I love the team. If the NCAA stuff was not going on, I would absolutely be all over this, but I have no idea who's even going to be coaching by the time we get to September, October. Yeah, so I think even abstracting away from the off-field stuff, Arizona State makes me very nervous because the things that people tout about them, their rushing game, I think are extremely biased by an absolute drubbing of Arizona where Arizona was in shambles and just kind of gave up. I mean, seven rushing touchdowns in that game, uh, 0.501 EPA per play on offense in that game. They added 28 points of expected value, just an absolutely insane game for them. Uh, one of the few games in my system that was a true 100% win expectancy, which is, I mean, again, 77, uh, obviously just absolute drubbing in every facet of the game. And so I think that if you look at those big plays and look at how heavily concentrated they were, you have to ask yourself, what was Arizona when they struggled, or Arizona State when they struggled? Well, uh, against USC, against UCLA, against Oregon State, even that game was a little closer than, than it should have been. I think that it really does come down to Jaden Daniels. And the, the key stat for Jaden Daniels for me is if you go to his adjusted completion percent, which is kind of his on-target balls, um, he's at 63.4, which puts him just behind uh, Georgia Tech powerhouse Jeff Sims and and right there even with Syracuse's uh, abysmal Rex Culpepper. So the accuracy is not there, even if kind of the dynamic play making is there. I think a lot of his value is, um, you know, he scrambled for almost a, a, a point of EPA per scramble last year and so was was pretty mobile. But I, I do think there is a ceiling on this offense. I do think that they had a very short schedule last year. And so there's a lot of volatility, especially with one just absolute blowout. Um, I do see wins here, but games at UCLA, games at Utah, games at Washington, and even at Oregon State make me a little nervous for an offense that's pretty inconsistent. Even if the defense was one of the better ones in the country, we still have to put an asterisk on that because there's not a ton you can do with four games. Then you throw the off-field stuff and how is that going to manifest uh, so I, I don't know. I have some questions about Arizona State here. Um, I do think they're really good, but I just don't know what repeating that success from 2020 looks like, given all these question marks. All right. So, Kyle, you were going over here. Uh, Parker, you're not so sure. And I am just throwing my hands up because I, this team could go anywhere from five wins to 10 wins. You know, I, who knows what this will end up being? We'll move on. We'll stay in the Pac-12. Let's talk about the Colorado Buffaloes. Carl Durrell had a Fairly impressive first season, but when you look at how many games they played and who they actually beat, it, it kind of scares you a little bit. Their odds to win the conference this year, plus 2,200. Uh, I definitely would not take that one. To win the South Division, plus 1,200. Wouldn't take that one either. Their win total sits at four and a half to go over and under, juice the same, minus 115. Uh, they, they were demolished by the two good teams that they played last year, Utah and Texas. Uh, they have got... Big play potential on offense with the running back uh, Broussard and the wide receiver Stanley, but uh, they, they were not efficient on offense last season, and the defense made way too many mistakes, way too many missed tackles. They're aggressive. They can cause havoc, but there's missed assignment after missed assignment on that defense, and now it was just the first year under Durrell. They didn't have a preseason. They didn't have a, a spring practice, anything like that, but, you know, the, the non-conference schedule is really difficult. Texas A&M and Minnesota, I... I am leaning the under four and a half here. I know we don't necessarily like to go under the the smaller numbers, but I think last year was very much a flash in the pan. It was a season of circumstance. I'm going to go under four and a half this season at minus 115. Uh, Kyle, we'll start off with you on this one. 
you you got any thoughts on Colorado? Yeah, I think that um, I agree with a lot of your points here. You know, like I said, I don't love taking the low unders, but I, I would take the under on this one. I do think this is a good play. If you look at Colorado last year, their schedule was extremely weak. That changes in a big way this year. Like you said, Texas A&M, a very good team. Minnesota, a pretty good team at Arizona State, at Oregon, at UCLA, Washington, at Utah. Who are they going to beat? They can't. It's hard to find five wins there. And you look at their yards per play margin last year, they were 90th in the country, negative 0.59 yards per play. So despite the fact that they played a weak schedule and they did have a good record, uh, there were some signs in the stats that that team wasn't as good as they looked last year. So then they come in, they have a big question mark at quarterback now. So, you know, who's going to be stepping up at quarterback? I don't think they're going to have good quarterback play. They do have good running backs, but I think they could be a bit one-dimensional I don't trust Colorado's defense that much. We know they have a great linebacker and landman, but outside of that, uh, nobody that great on this defense. Somebody has to lose some games in the Pac-12. You know, it sounds kind of strange to me to say, but, you know, a few years ago, the Pac-12 was really weak, but there's some good teams in the Pac-12 this year. So I do like the under in this one. Uh, Parker, you got any thoughts on, uh, on the Buffaloes here? Yeah, the Buffaloes were, uh, you know, 101st in early downs EPA last year and on offense and 113th in first down rate. So the offense was really not doing anything. And and I really do think that Texas was kind of the Texas and Utah were kind of the the first good teams they played down down the stretch. You know, you write off that first game against UCLA, COVID and delayed and everything. Um, and so there, there are a couple, you know, conflicting factors here. Like Carl Durrell did take over late February, like the latest hire in, in college football. And that definitely, you know, made a, a hard year harder for them. There are moments that I was excited about Colorado last year, but I do think it was kind of relative expectations. I expected them to be a mess and they were somewhat competent last year. And so I think that inflates the perception of their 2020. Um, I, I, I agree with the under here. Um, their, their schedule looks pretty rough. And I just don't know that, you know, their, their, their offense wasn't good on early downs and their defense was really good at third downs and kind of okay everywhere else. And so that leads me to believe, man, there's kind of a going to be an equilibrium there where the defense can't sustain this third down performance and the offense still can't move the ball on early downs. You find yourself behind early. I don't, I don't love, uh, I don't love that recipe. Again, Gary, you like, uh, you know, old man ball or whatever. I, uh, 64.5 percent rush rate on early downs is not doing it for me in as we're trying to score points to win games so um yeah I, I'm, I'm out on colorado for sure i like old man football with teams that do it well i don't know that colorado <laughs> does it well so uh we can move on from there you brought up ucla let's go ahead and talk about ucla the bruins uh i mean we we expect a lot from chip kelly but you know i i don't know what to make of the win total here sitting at seven it seemed kind of high when I first saw it, but then, of course, there's a lot of expectations coming out of last season. Played a lot of one-score games. To win the conference, they are plus 1,200. To win the South, the same odds as Utah, plus 450. And the seven win total to go over, minus 120, to go under, minus 110. I The schedule is fairly difficult. Um, a lot of returning production. I mean, it, it was a promising season last year, but it, I, I guess they are finally meshing the explosiveness and the efficiency together on offense. A lot of people all over Dorian Thompson Robinson. Kyle, let let me go ahead and bring you in. Well, before I do that, reminder, you can subscribe to the channel. We're going to be going live. I'm going to say this a lot, but we are going live every week, Wednesday and Thursday. Make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell. Now, Kyle, tell me about UCLA. Uh, There's a lot of hype, but I, I don't know if it's warranted. 
Yeah, you know, like I said, somebody has to lose games in the Pac-12 South. So I think here's your team that could lose some games in the Pac-12 South, especially relative to expe- expectations. They play at Washington and Oregon. They play against Oregon at home. Then they play at Utah. Three-game stretch there at Washington, Oregon at home, and at Utah. That's pretty brutal. Uh, UCLA also plays LSU in the non-conference. You know, to me, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is still a weakness. Uh, I think you probably knew I was going to go there. DTR... Uh, just a guy that I don't trust very much. He has an average depth target of only seven and a half yards per pass, and yet turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, on 5.6% of plays. UCLA's offense uh, can run the football pretty well. Uh, I don't trust Dorian Thompson-Robinson to make good decisions. I mean, if you watch, uh, say, the Colorado game last year, I mean, he can just totally implode at times, uh, hand the game over to the other team. And also, UCLA... They do have a decent amount of sacks, but they blitzed at the seventh highest rate of anybody in the nation. They got to get to the quarterback a little bit more than they do if they're going to blitz that much. I think UCLA is one of those teams that expectations are pretty high. They have a tough schedule. They're playing in a much improved division, no doubt about that. I think, uh, you know, while I do like the Arizona State over, I like the UCLA under better. So this is my favorite of the Pac-12 plays. You brought up that blitz rate. It, Parker, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that that was to kind of mask the fact that the secondary was not very good. It was create havoc or they are going to get scored on, period. Uh, Parker, tell me what you think about the Bruins here. Yeah, their defense was, um, you know, 70th overall and, and slightly worse against the rush uh, for me, but but 0.149 EPA against the pass, which was 55th. Um, also a lot of ton of third down conversions, 46.9 on defense. Um, and 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 also, you know, early downs EPA was 0.003. So just a really bad mix of, you know, we can't really figure out what works to stop people. At some point, you have to ask yourself, what's Chip Kelly trying to do? And is it ever going to work um, again at college football, at the college football level? Um, my, my big worry here is, is I think the offense scheme is really nice, but I, I am really worried. I think they coddled um, DTR a little bit last year, his, you know, his, uh, adjusted completion percentage was, you know, 71.2 or, or whatever the decimal place is, but his A dot was only, you know, 7.5. And so I think they run some really fun stuff. Chip Kelly will put like four tight ends and pull all of them and do all this crazy stuff. And um, I, I just don't know that they have the the vision. I think they're, I, I don't know that I would actually bet this as I'm, as I'm saying this, um, but I, I do think that you know, seven seven seems pretty low, um, but I, I do just wonder. You know, what what is Chip Kelly? What what are we doing with Chip Kelly in in college football anymore? Um, if it doesn't work this year, and and I have some reasons to believe they don't have the explosive offense, and their defense is a little shaky. Yeah, that's that's the big question about Chip Kelly. Is he created this not run and gun, but this explosive style of offense, the no huddle, all this kind of stuff that a lot of teams, including. Alabama, Ohio State, et cetera, uh, can run. Now that everybody's doing it, does he have anything else in his bag of tricks? And we have not seen it yet at UCLA. Uh, so we'll we'll see from there. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Stanford Cardinal. Now, last year, turned out okay. You know, Davis Wade was the, um, oh God, I hope I said that name right. Uh, the guy that they just lost to the Texans uh, in the draft. But it, um, Mills, anyway. Davis Mills. Mills, there we go. <laughs> I'm going to make those mistakes all year long. Let's talk about the odds right quick. To win the conference, plus 4,000. To win the North Division, plus 900. Their season win total sits at four. 
I mean, they got that last year in a shortened season. To go over is minus 130. To go under is plus 100, even money. Now, Stanford, I like David Shaw. I like what he does. Um, you know, I think that I like Tavita Pritchard as the offense coordinator. I, I'm not sure why this win total is so low. I, I understand maybe returning production. I understand some of those things. But this is a pretty well-coached ball club every year. Parker, tell me tell me about Stanford. What do you like about this team? Well, not 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 much, frankly, but I do like <laughs> I do like a win total of four um, here. I think their their defense has uh, basically gotten worse every year um, the last four seasons, um, and so I don't think that they are very good. I do think the offense was a lot better than they got credit for last year. Twenty um, second overall in EPA, forty second in the pass, um, and, and and you know they they didn't live and die by the third down, uh, but they had manageable third down situations um, in. You know, they're, they're kind of down the stretch against Washington, Oregon State, and UCLA, they put up pretty substantial EPA per play numbers. And so I'm I'm encouraged about this offense, uh, even as they're changing over uh, to, I think, Tanner McKee at quarterback. I, 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 you know, they have a non-con game against Vanderbilt, a winnable game against Kansas State um, early on on a neutral site, which I'm not sure I would bet on them to win, but is winnable. Um, and then you look at, you know, the, Notre Dame in the non-con makes things kind of hard. Uh, but they're, they're, I think that they have four wins on this schedule just because that is a really low total and you kind of have that Vanderbilt guaranteed win and you have the offensive potential. So um, I, I think that it won't be much more than four, but I do think that they could hit five pretty pretty reasonably. Hey, Kyle, what, uh, what are your thoughts here? I'm a little bit torn on this one. You know, Stanford's defense is so weak, it's hard for me to like them too much. Uh, you know, Stanford's opponent QBR was 113th in the country last year. Uh, this Stanford secondary is really bad. And remember, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that Stanford had the great defensive line that was getting to the quarterback all the time. Last year in six games, they had nine sacks. So, you know, that's pretty unacceptable for a team like this. You know, when we think of Stanford in their really good years, we think of some great defensive linemen. They don't have those guys anymore. And so that certainly makes the, the defense look worse. I will say four is a really low total, and I would not bet under on this. So I am not really against this play. I just don't know how much I really like Stanford because, you know, uh, while I really like David Shaw, uh, same as what you had said, I, I think uh, by all accounts, Shaw is a really classy guy, a uh, good person. I, I think that, you know, I, I worry about this team's upside. You know, I, I think that uh, Parker kind of said the same thing and that, you know, he doesn't love the team, but four is low win total. Uh, I could see them getting four. I think push is very possible in this one. Shaw is 66 and 49 ATS as a head coach. So, you know, maybe we want to look to bet Stanford in the underdog role this year because there's going to be plenty of chances. Oh, yeah. They, I think they are only projected to be favorites in, what, two games? Ed Parker, maybe you can tell me that, but I, I believe that's the case. So, yeah, I, I think it's a well-coached ball club. Um, getting to five would not surprise me. Would not surprise me. We'll move on from the Pac-12, and let's go ahead and hit on the Big Ten, starting off with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, again, reminder, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. We're going to be going live Wednesdays and Thursdays during the season. Now, Iowa, I like Kirk Ferentz. Again, old man football. They're projected, uh, projected favorites in 10 games. Uh, let's talk about winning the conference, plus 1,000 to win the West Division, plus 175. Their regular season win total sits at 8.5. To go over is plus 100, even money. To go under, minus 130. 
Now, I really like Iowa. I think their defensive coordinator, uh, Phil Parker, is very underappreciated. They lost some horses on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive line especially, but I think that the way that they develop players, they will be able to replenish that. Uh, the schedule sets up really, really well, even with their road games at Iowa State and at Wisconsin. Now, they've got at Nebraska, at Northwestern, and at Maryland, but, you know, I, I think Spencer Pitchers, the quarterback, coming back this season, he wasn't great last year by any any stretch of the imagination, and he is going to have to improve, but he did throughout the season as they went along. He was a first-year starter last year. They started 0-2. They thrashed everybody after that. Uh, their six wins in a row to end last season, they won by an average of 21 points per game. I I am high, high on this team. Eight of their top 10 tacklers return. I like Iowa a ton here. I'm going to go over that eight and a half, especially for even money. And, and no, I'm not going to... I, I think Wisconsin will probably handle this division, but I do like the over eight and a half here. Uh, Parker, let me go ahead and get you to jump in on this one. Yeah, I, I actually was a little underwhelmed with Iowa last year. Um, you know, I have them at, you know, a, a very a good defense, 19th in EPA per play, but but their schedule was, was lacking. I mean, some of those big wins, uh, I, I mean... I don't know that I'm hanging my hat on a 49 to seven win against Michigan State or a you know 35 21 win against Illinois, and so the offensive upside is not there for me. Right in the middle on early downs EPA last year did slightly improve, but again, when you start to adjust that for for schedule, um, I think about their their game against Wisconsin and Petrus was just okay. Like it wasn't you know it, there, there were more problems with Wisconsin than there was you know Iowa kind of taking over that game, even though it looked like 28 to 28 to seven. Um, and so I, I think that it's really hard for them to have to go to Iowa State. I think this is the best Iowa State team that they have faced um, ever, uh, despite the fact they haven't lost to Iowa State since what 2014, I think. Um, been, Campbell is is over against yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I think that's really hard. I think a game at Kent State they'll they'll win, but that's tricky. Um, and then I, I I expect a team like Maryland to match up really nicely against this Iowa team just because Maryland has kind of this high caliber offensive upside. And it may be the case that Iowa's offense can't keep pace. So um, eight and a half. I mean, I was consistently boring and you 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 have a non-con that that's theoretically you could sweep. But I, I think it's going to be tough for them to hit that hit that over. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the under, but I don't love the over. All right, so basically a stay away for you, Kyle. Uh, do you back me up here? You going over with uh, with Iowa? Yeah, I do have to say, Gary. At this point, uh, we can tell that you do like these boring old man football teams. <laughs> certainly, I mean, this is this is the running theme here. Um, you know, I'm I'm neutral on this one as well. I want to like Iowa. Uh, Ferentz is a really good coach. Certainly, their defense is so good. I'm not worried about the guys that they lost on defense. They reload. Um, like you said, defensive coordinator very underrated. Last year, they allowed four plays of 30 yards or more the entire season, which was first in the country. So Iowa really good at not giving up those big plays. I think there's really something to be said about that. You know, we see so many of these teams that allow people to get behind them and get these big explosive plays. Iowa doesn't do that. I will say I'm scared about taking over eight and a half with Spencer Petrus as the quarterback. I don't trust him. You know, I don't I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I think Iowa's offensive line's really good. Uh, Linderbaum, really, a, a really good offensive lineman. We're used to them having a good offensive line. I think Iowa will be good, but I see this as an eight and four or nine and three type team. So eight and a half, I'm going to pass. Totally I, understand. I just went and I just went and looked at 
confirmed that because I this was my suspicion, but they've only hit the over on eight and a half in in the regular season uh, twice since 2010, I guess. And so again, historical performance, we got to compare schedules and everything. But that does this just does not seem like the Iowa team that's going to break out and go 12 and two and go to the Rose Bowl or anything. I totally understand that. I'm going to go with nine wins on this schedule. I have gone through it in my head, and this is not analytical. This is just me. That's just <laughs> this is a love thing. This is bias. Let's dive into Maryland. And this is a team that, Parker, you brought up as somebody that could possibly match up well against Iowa. Uh, let's talk about Maryland's odds to win the conference plus 6,600. Probably would not touch that one. To win the East Division, yeah, wouldn't touch that one either, plus 4,000. Their win total sits at six. To go over is plus 105. To go under is minus 135. Now, I there's a lot to like here as far as talent goes. Uh, you, you've got Talia Tangavaloa as the quarterback here. You've got a lot of explosiveness, but it is very inefficient. We don't know when we're going to get it. it it's, it's not consistent. I will say that. Uh, Kyle, why, why don't you go ahead and talk to me about Mike Loxley and, and the Terrapins? Yeah, I don't like Mike Loxley. Uh, 22 and 29 ATS so far. And I think Loxley just kind of got this job because he was you know, close to Saban. You know, I, I, what has he done to show that he actually should get a job like this? I don't think Loxley has proven anything. Um, you know, Tagovailoa obviously is huge upside. I think the passing attack has a very high ceiling. But I think the floor is a little lower than some people are willing to admit, too. You know, they, they had some pretty bad turnovers last year, very inconsistent. The other thing is, if you look through the running backs in the Big Ten, I think you could make the argument that Maryland has the worst running backs of anybody in the Big Ten. It's certainly bottom two or three. So uh, Maryland could be very one-dimensional on offense this year. I also don't trust their run defense at all. I mean, they're just woeful. Uh, I'm guessing Parker likes them a little bit more than I do based on him saying that they might be a tough matchup for Iowa. But I, I think Maryland could score points this year. They're going to give up a lot of points, too. You know, maybe not against Iowa, but against a lot of teams they play. And you look through their schedule. So they play Howard. There's one easy win. You look down through the rest of the schedule. Uh, there's not really many easy wins on this schedule. I mean, you know, at Michigan State, Michigan State's not good, but it's on the road. Um, Matt Rutgers, uh, I don't see very many easy wins. And like I said before, I think Kent State's a tricky game for them. I think Kent State will score a lot of points on Maryland. I wonder how high that total is going to be. I'm sitting here in my head thinking, man, I, I like the over in that game. I, I imagine I won't be the only one that likes the over. But on, on Maryland's here, I think six is a really high number for them. Um, you know, I think four and a half would have been a better number than six. So I like this one quite a bit. I'll take Maryland under. Defensive coordinator Brian Stewart is back. Now, he was the uh, the leader of three of the four best defenses for the Terrapins over the last decade. Uh, but, Parker, tell me tell me about Maryland. Tell me what you like about the Terrapins and how they could be a matchup nightmare for uh, for some of these teams. Yeah, so talking about the best Maryland defenses in history is a little bit like talking about the best gas station sushi in Alabama. Um, and so for whatever that's worth, I, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I would personally bet on the under on this one. I think that they'll stick somebody. I think they will get a weird win. They're going to have plenty of shots. Um, you know, they get, they get Iowa state, they get, uh, Iowa, they get Minnesota, they get Indiana, they get Penn state, right? Like I, I think they can win one of those games, but I don't project that to be any kind of sustained success going forward. One thing I do really like about their offense, 30, uh, 30th overall in early downs EPA. 
but only 52nd on third down conversion. So again, what that says to me is, hey, they're, they're, you know, when they're moving the ball, they're able to do it early. They're not in these kind of dramatic all or nothing situations. And that bodes well for an offense. Um, uh, Talia is, you know, was was good, very inconsistent, but but very good. They kind of tailored an, an air raid-ish offense to him so that he could hit those, you know, short uh, passes, get a lot of completions, and then take those big shots and, and try it. When he lets it fly, it's really fun. But so I, I think they will win a lot of um, or lose a lot of, you know, six-hour games that are 55 to 42 or something. But they'll be fun, and I think they'll get a weird win, but I would bet the under on six. I can uh, I can roll with that. I can I can trust that. Let's move on. The Illinois Fighting Illini. Brett Bielema back in the college game. It is nice to see him back in. Uh, I think it was a smart move, getting somebody that is familiar with the conference and the division. Now, there are odds here to win the conference plus 10,000. Now, that is dead last in the Big Ten. Uh, to win the West Division plus 4,000. Their regular season win total sits at three and a half. Now, to go over is minus 140, to go under plus 110. This is a team that has 22 super seniors coming back. Uh, they are, this is going to be a multi-year rebuild, but they have got experience. I think they nailed the coordinator hires. They brought in defense coordinator Ryan Walters from Missouri. Um, they got offense coordinator Tony Peterson here. You know, the offense wants big offensive linemen, a power running game. They run mostly 12 personnel. I think that they are going to continue to do this with the guys that they've got because I think they've got some of that on staff. They just want to get them up to where they expect them to be. I, I do like Illinois a little bit this year. Kyle, let me go ahead and, and bring you in here uh, because I think that you like them as well. Yeah, you know, Illinois is not a team that before the season, you know, sometimes before the season when the numbers haven't come out yet, you think this is a team I want to bet the over. This is a team I want to bet the under on. This is not one that I said I have to bet the over on Illinois, but three and a half is too low of a number for me to pass. You know, this is more of a numbers play than anything else. If you look at their schedule, they have some very winnable games. They avoid both Ohio State and Michigan. Um, you know, this is a, a top four or five running game in the Big Ten. And bringing in Bielema to a team that has a good offensive line, good running backs, I think they're going to be able to run on a lot of people this year. You know, they play Charlotte, Rutgers, UTSA, who is a good team, but certainly a winnable game. Nebraska, even, you know, possible win there. Northwestern, I don't think Northwestern's near as good as they've been in the past. So, I think Illinois has a lot of potential wins here, and Bielema is, is a step up from Lovey Smith, at least what Lovey Smith has been here of late. So I think that Illinois also is sneaky good on special teams, and special teams could get them a win or two here in a close game. I think three and a half is just a really low number, kind of like what Parker said with uh, Stanford. I'm not saying I love Illinois as a team, but three and a half is too low of a number for me to not take the over. And uh, Parker, why, why don't you jump in here? Because I... I seem to agree with Kyle a little bit. I think there's a lot of returning experience here that I that I like. Uh, but give me some numbers here. What what can we work with? I think that the question with Bielema is kind of like a philosophical one about whether his success in the Big Ten in the past was directly a result of his impact, whether it was a result of his like long-term execution of a vision, and whether he was actually really responsible for that vision or he was just you know well suited to to kind of keep Wisconsin rolling. Um, so I'm I'm not very high on this. I think Illinois has potential as a program. Um, the the 3.5 is really low. The defense was just really problematic last year. Like you expect the offense to be bad. I knew that, but the defense was, um, you know, really just. <laughs> 
first down rate, 33.7%, like uh, uh, 124th in the nation. They were just, they just weren't stopping anyone. Ryan Walters coming in from, from Missouri. I think that's a guy who's going to be a head coach uh, someday. And so he is, is really, really sharp, should have an instant impact just on scheme teaching execution. I don't know if I can say the same for the offense. Um, and so I, I, uh, as a matter of personal taste, don't like the idea of betting over on Indiana at the six, uh, even though I do kind of understand the justification. Um, again, I think the the that the importance of running the ball, if it's the only thing you can do, is diminishing more and more every year in college football. And so if they can't, you know, if they can't improve on a passing game that was 115th in the nation last year, uh, I, you know, it's going to be another rough year. I can understand that. The schedule does set up nicely, though. I, that Nebraska game in week one, well, week zero, it I think is going to tell us a lot about Illinois. Uh, but after that, I mean, UTSA at Virginia, Maryland at Purdue and Charlotte before they ever get to Wisconsin. I mean, they, there's winnable games in the schedule. So let's uh, let's move off of Illinois. We'll talk about the last team from the Big Ten that we are going to hit today, and that would be the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, again, reminder, subscribe to the channel for us. And make sure and hit that notification bell because we are going to be live on Wednesdays and Thursdays throughout the season talking about all of the week's games. Now, Indiana last season, there were some statistical anomaly type games that they were able to win. And even with Michael Penix going out, their defense played well enough that they were able to squeak by some teams that normally they have not been able to, right? However, they lose their defense coordinator, Kane Womack. We'll talk about that in a minute. But to win the conference, they are plus 1,400. To win the East, they are plus 900. And their win total sits at 7.5. Now, to go over is minus 115. To go under is minus 115. They, they looked great last year, and this team loves their head coach, Tom Allen. Losing the defense coordinator, Kane Womack, scares me a little bit. He is the new head coach at South Alabama. The, the defensive line was was huge last year, but they lost a lot. The secondary was great, but they're, they're going to need the front seven to be just as good as they were last year. Uh, quarterback Michael Penix is back from injury. We believe uh, everything looks good to go from camp there. Hey, Parker, tell me tell me what you like about Indiana. Is, are, are we going over or under here? Uh, I, I think I'm going over uh, the seven and a half number for Indiana this year. Um, and a big reason is uh, the offensive line, which I think was uh, abysmal last year. So if uh, if you'll allow it, I have a Michael Penix fun fact. Um, oh, yes. Michael Penix last year, or excuse me, in 2020 was completing or ah, I did that totally wrong. I blew my I blew my fact. I'm going to start. Over. In 2019, Michael Penix Jr. completed 79 percent of his passes in non-garbage time in 2020 that dropped to uh, about 64%, which was the largest single season reduction of any quarterback in the playoff era, right? Wow. Consequently, uh, or perhaps causing this, Michael Penix was pressured 19.8% of his dropbacks in 2019. He was pressured on 36.9% of his dropbacks in 2020, which was the largest increase in a uh, single season increase in the playoff era. So the offensive line was abysmal last year. They're going to have some turnover there. It literally cannot be worse. 
Um, and so I think he'll take a lot more, a lot fewer hits, which one, if he had an injury concern, kind of uh, alleviate some of that. But two, I think that that really frees them up to hit Ty Freifogel deep. Um, you know, Freifogel averaged 0.305 EPA per target last year, 18.75 yards per completion, a really good kind of downfield threat. So I think the offensive line play will be better. Um, I think Penix is actually a really, really good quarterback. I think he's an NFL caliber quarterback. And if they can iron out some issues on the offensive line, I expect the Tom Allen defense to be great. Um, again, they, um, Cincinnati is, is a really tough non-con game. That's winnable, though. Um, and then I, I think that eight is a very manageable figure for this team. I, I could get with that. They also bring in USC running back Stephen Carr to, uh, to take over in the backfield. So, yeah, I, Kyle, tell me about this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Hoosiers here? So I think I'll tend to agree with Parker more often than I'll disagree, but I'm going to disagree with this one at least somewhat. Um, I'm not betting this one, I don't think, on the under, but I, I lean toward the under here. Uh, I think Indiana's offensive and defensive line are both weaknesses. I don't like teams that are weak in the trenches. Um, I agree, you know, it's hard for them to be worse on the offensive line than they were last year, but I'm not sure how much better they're going to be either. And you have Penix coming off an injury. And they really need him to be healthy. You know, this is this is really important to them. The other thing I, I thought is this team was six and two last year, seven and one against the spread, but they were negative 0.47 yards per play, which was 86th in the country. So they were certainly very fortunate. We remember that Penn State game where there was just ridiculous numbers for how they were able to win a game like that. But the other thing that stands out to me is Indiana's defensive numbers in the red zone. Uh, these, this is definitely due for some regression. Opponents scored on only 16 out of 25 trips into the red zone. That's not a touchdown. That's scoring anything. So they forced a lot of turnovers in the red zone. That was first in the country in red zone defense. So I don't think they can keep that up. You know, that seems like it's uh, just due for regression. To me, this team's going to have to win some games late because if you look at their schedule early, it's really tough. You know, they play some really good teams. Uh, I think seven is probably where I would put this team. So. I'm going to disagree here on this one, at least somewhat. At that opening game at Iowa is, it, I mean, that'll be brutal. You go into Kinnick, that's, that's going to be tough. So we'll see where Penix is in week one, but that is going to wrap up today's show. So let's go ahead and give a slight recap of what we have been through here. The Pac-12, I like Utah over the eight and a half. Kyle likes Arizona State to go over the eight and a half. I am on the under four and a half for Colorado. Kyle likes UCLA under seven and Parker likes Stanford over four. Now moving over to the big 10, I am all over Iowa over eight and a half there. Kyle is, let's see, Kyle is on Maryland under six and we've got Kyle over three and a half on Illinois. And then Parker likes the over seven and a half on Indiana. So Oh my goodness. What a, what a fun first couple of days. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thank you guys for tuning into the bet us college football show. Do not forget that you can sign up. Just click the link down below. Go to betus.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. NCAAF2021. It gives you 125% deposit bonus. And that is for sports betting exclusive, like up to $2,500. Pretty big deal. Subscribe to the BetUS YouTube channel. Make sure and hit the notification bell. You can also follow us on Twitter. We've got the links down there as well. Uh, is there anything else that we need to add, guys? No, I mean, it's a fun first couple days of the show, oh, yes. guys. I'm looking forward to next week and the season ahead. This is, this is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap this thing up for BetUS.com, where the game begins. 
We appreciate it, and we'll see you again next week.